Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Come to us, JP. Hey, come on. Hey, yo, 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 bring it in. Hey, this the moment right here. This is the moment we all been waiting for, dog. This is our motherfucker. We're going to protect this with everything you know. We have made it, people. It is week one of the 2021 NFL season, and your Tampa Bay Buccaneers are set to take on the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday night, prime time. The banners are dropping in Raymond James Stadium. How can it get any better than this? What's up, everyone? Welcome in to Season 1, Episode 8 of the Believe in Bucks podcast. I am your host, Evan Winter. You can find me on Twitter at Evan underscore Winter. You can find my written work on SIBucks.com, AllBucks.com. Some big news real quick since the last episode. Yes, I have accepted a job with uh, Sports Illustrated's Buccaneers website called allbucks.com. So thrilled to be a part of the team. Thank you. Huge shout out to Zach Goodall for bringing me on. And of course, uh, even bigger shout out and even bigger thank you to Keith Larson and Bucks Report for the wonderful opportunity that they gave me and that led me to where I am right now. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Bucks. Cowboys week one, Thursday night football, primetime baby, let's get it done. This is how you start off the season, and man, am I so excited to talk to y'all tonight. But it's not just me who's going to be talking to you. I have two very special guests on tonight, the first being Tony Catalina, writer for SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com. Him and I are going to break down the game, the the Bucks Cowboys game, you know that one game I've been talking about, you know here this over the first couple of minutes of this intro, and then I also have Sky Guasco, host of Believe Podcasts, the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. He's going to join me in the third segment to give all of you some wonderful fantasy advice and insight on this week's matchup, as well as some players across the league. It's a jam-packed episode. I'm not going to keep you waiting. I'm just going to give you a quick breakdown of my own. I put this out earlier today on allbucks.com. This is a Tuesday evening that I am recording during. But regardless, it's my five bucks to watch uh, on Thursday night against the Cowboys. Let's go ahead and dive in real quick. Number five is Ryan Jensen. Yeah, I know. The best way to get somebody's attention during a football conversation is to start off with the offensive line, right? Well, in this case, it is the right decision because Ryan Jensen is going to play a huge role in this game. This is a brand new Dallas Cowboys defense that the Bucs are going to be going up against. Now, granted, they are going up against Dan Quinn, who they are familiar with, very familiar with. Uh, Bruce Arians and this coaching staff, Todd Bowles mainly, has faced off against Quinn four times in the last two years. And then 
the majority of the Bucks' offensive roster has faced off against Quinn's defense six times in the last three years. So there's a lot of familiarity there. You can also say that Quinn is very familiar with Bruce Arians' offense facing against him four times in two years. But regardless, Ryan Jensen is going to be responsible for setting protections, identifying blitzers, pressure points, all that good stuff. And he's going to be the tone center as usual. On this offensive line, he's going to have a major impact, and he's one of the best centers in the league, if not the best center. So his play will go a long way in determining what happens. The next guy has to be cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting, and that's because he is the Bucks' primary outside corner or one of the primary outside corners when the Bucks are in base defense. But then he slides in to uh, play nickel uh, during in the Bucks' sub packages. So he's going to see all three of Dallas's receivers. We know that everybody loves to talk up Dallas's receiving core. Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, those are the top three guys. C.D. Lamb is the primary slot receiver, so Murphy Bunning is definitely going to be seeing him. But per pro football focus, Amari Cooper also played 270 snaps in the slot as a receiver last year. So he's most likely going to see, Sean Murphy Bunting that is, is most likely going to see a good dose of Amari Cooper. And then he even has a chance to run into Michael Gallup whenever the Bucks are in base defense because Gallup is, uh, along with Cooper, a primary outside wide receiver for the Cowboys. So it's going to be easy to see why Murphy Bunting, no matter if it's good or bad play, is going to have a big impact on this game. Number three is Vita Vea. He allows the Bucks to do so much on defense in terms of pressure packages, secondary groupings, etc. He's literally the line, and I'm not saying no pun intended, between the Bucks being a very good defense and an elite defense. There's no, there's no mistaking about that. If Zach Martin does in fact miss this game, both Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy, even Bruce Arians, have left open the door that there is a possibility he could play if he has two negative tests in these next few days, however the NFL COVID protocols go, then it's likely going to be a major problem for the Cowboys if he does miss the game. Vea devours interior offensive linemen like my 17-month-old devours Fruity Cheerios. It's not pretty, and there's always going to be a mess to clean up afterward. And plus, the last thing you want to do is see Dak Prescott swarmed and beaten up in his first live action in 333 days. Dallas has to have a game plan for Vea, or else he's going to have a big game on Thursday night. Number two has to be Mike Evans. Dude... A receiver of his caliber, a receiver of his, of his size that has the speed and the catch radius that he has, as well as the physicality, makes him already a, a weekly must-watch. But his potential matchup with cornerback Anthony Brown adds extra emphasis this week. Dan Quinn usually doesn't have his corner shadow receivers. Uh, Trayvon Diggs is outside, so is Anthony Brown. So it's very likely that Anthony Brown, the other A.B. in this scenario, is going to be matched up with Mike Evans. And that just, you know, the Bucks' offense has to be salivating at that opportunity. And plus, Evans is in the best shape of his career, according to him. He's healthy coming into this season. Completely different context than where he was at health-wise last year. So all this adds up as to what should be a strong showing from the eighth-year receiver. And then finally, my buck that is going to have a huge impact on this game, the number one guy to watch, is Ronald Jones II. And not only is that because Ronald Jones is one of the more underrated runners in this league, but Dallas's defense is absolutely abysmal when it comes to stopping the run, especially in 2020. Just listen to these stats. 
31st in total run defense. They allowed 158.8 yards per game per pro football focus. Third highest yards per carry allowed, which five yards per carry per pro football reference. Uh, Second most first downs on the ground allowed, 142 142 per pro football reference. 23rd in run defense DVOA and the third highest adjusted line yards per carry allowed per football outsiders. The Dallas Cowboys run defense also allowed the fifth highest EPA per attempt and the third highest positive play rate per Sports Info Solutions. They were only able to generate the Dallas defensive line, the fifth lowest stuff rate per sports info solutions. And then per pro football focus, the Dallas run defense graded out as the seventh worst run defense in the NFL. Everywhere you look, it's disaster in terms of Dallas's run defense. There's very little reason to think they improved that this year. Even with Dan Quinn as defensive coordinator, they just did not do enough in terms of stocking the front seven. Yes, they drafted Micah Parsons, but you have to think he's going to have more impact as a pass rusher. On the other hand, Ronald Jones is one of the more underrated runners in this league, like I said earlier, and he averaged 5.1 yards per carry while his counterparts combined for a 3.8 yards per carry average in 2020. He's very well suited for what the Bucs want to do on the ground and has shown he can carry a load when needed. He led the NFL in rushing when Leonard Fournette played 1% of snaps from weeks 3 to 6 in 2020 so he can get the job done. The Bucs also want to run the ball. And they should have success against this Dallas defense. So, therefore, Ronald Jones should start off his 2021 season with a bang. Now, obviously, there are going to be plenty of other players to keep an eye on. But, in my opinion, those are the Bucks to watch this Thursday night when Tampa Bay takes on Dallas. Yeah, and that just about does it. So, awkward segue. Oh, yeah, how y'all love that. <laughs> but, coming up next... I've got Tony Catalina of SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com to help me preview this game. And then coming up after that is the one and only Sky Guasco of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. So be sure to stick around through this commercial break because we have plenty more to come right after this. Hey everyone, it's Evan, host of the Believe in Bucks podcast. Well, guess what? I've got exciting news. Our pod is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring you some interactive fun to the sport that we love the most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to, yeah, you heard this right, everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at playactionpools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between both NFL and college football, and whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win not only a pair of electric sunglasses, but also a pair of DC shoes. Again, Go to playactionpools.com, sign up for the contest Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, Football Pick'em, and if you plan on hosting your own football contests, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, Pick'em, and even a cool sportsbook-style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools.
All right, everyone, welcome into the second segment of episode eight of the Believe in Bucks podcast. I am your host, Evan Winner, and just as I have promised, we are about to preview this week's Bucks Cowboys game with Tony Catalina, writer for SB Nations bloggingtheboys.com. That is SB Nations Dallas Cowboys blog. You can find him on Twitter at Tony underscore Catalina. Spelt how it sounds, capitalized the T, the C. Don't forget the underscore in the middle. And Tony. Hey, man, welcome to the, like, first name, last name, underscore in the middle, keeping things simple club, man. That's the way to go, right? Yeah, I couldn't get the, you know, traditional just Tony Catalina. I had to throw the underscore in there to get fancy. It's almost like when you – it's almost like sometimes you want to DM those people or just hit them up and be like, hey, how much you want for that? For that for Seriously. That, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, what is that worth to you? Right, exactly. You never know at the end of the day. But anyways, so, like I said, man, we're going to be previewing the – the upcoming Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champion Buccaneers, coming up against Dallas Cowboys at Raymond James Stadium. Uh, it'll be banner night, all that good stuff. Uh, it's going to be an exciting, exciting game. And there is also around just like the Buccaneers community, there was a lot of excitement when it came toward that season opening game. And, I mean, fans are stoked. But let's go ahead and just get down to just, I mean, the matchups, the nitty-gritty, all that good stuff. So, and obviously we've got to start with Dak Prescott. He hasn't played in a live action game since his injury last year, but he's 100% ready to go, according to Mike McCarthy. And Dak even said himself recently that he'll start off better than last year. Now, he even broke that down in context saying, I'm not talking numbers-wise. You know, he's just talking about, you know, just efficiency-wise, effectiveness-wise, all that good stuff, which is still, uh, you know, an awesome bar to set in this year in the beginning of the year. But either way, Tony, how do you see him playing on Thursday night in terms of what he can control on the field? I mean, honestly, you look at it and you think, um, you know, rust, rust is, is going to be expected, right? I mean, at this point, it just comes down to, you know, Dak trust the shoulder, the ankle has been a, you know, it's been a, a backstory for a while now. I mean, he wanted to bury that months ago and, you know, the media and, and us alike wouldn't just let it go. Um, but as far as the shoulder goes and everything goes, he, I mean, the fact of the matter is he he didn't play in any preseason game. So to think that he isn't going to come out and have a little bit of rust, you know, just a little bit, you know, he might be off a step, a tick with his wide receivers. And um, I think that's come to be expected, but I think where you'll kind of just see, okay, where is Dak Prescott and where is this offense going to go? Might, you know, after a couple of drives, the jitters, you know, they go away and you look at, you know, maybe is that in the second quarter? Is that the second half? And, you know, he's been hit a couple of times. And, you know, I, I think you can, like you said, you it, you can expect some jitters and you can expect, you know, a little bit of rust. But um, Dak Prescott coming off the year he did, I mean, the start he did, at least it was, I mean, he was looking to put up historic numbers. So, I mean, I don't know if that's the expectation, but you think he, he's got this quarterback thing figured out a little bit. Yeah, and it's exciting to see what he's going to do because, I mean, I, I can't remember which uh, – it was either uh, Bob Sturm or uh, Mike, and I can't pronounce his last name. I would disrespect it if I thought of the right – try to pronounce it right now just because I don't know it well enough. But uh, <laughs> um, one of them had in one of their recent articles that it's going to be 333 days since his last live action game. And I mean, you know, it's NFL injuries are injuries, you know, players overcome them all the time. But still, that's, that's, that's wild. And what I've kind of compared it to recently is 
you know, a lot of people are saying expect rust from the rookies who opted out last year, so on and so forth, the players who took off last year. So, I mean, that's that's kind of where I stand in it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he comes out, uh, whether it's two quarters, two games, however long it takes to shake off that rust. It's really going to it's really going to be something to monitor over, you know, obviously this game and then in the coming weeks, unless he obviously comes out and throws for like 450 yards and four touchdowns. So right. then you I, think say, we'll okay. I think we'll have our answers <laughs> then. Yeah, and then you go. Okay, I guess he. I guess he wasn't lying. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So sticking with the offense, uh, Sports Info Solutions. They have the Cowboys running eleven personnel the six month, uh, six most in twenty twenty. Completely understandable considering the receivers they have on deck. Uh, how good is this group, and how much damage can they do against the Bucks secondary? Assuming you know all goes well in terms of protection and all that good stuff. I mean, you look at it and you kind of look at what they have Ezekiel Elliott and CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and you say like, wow, as far as rivaling this unit, I think it's only in Tampa that you can even really have that conversation, right? I mean, as far as talent goes and everything out of camp is how CeeDee Lamb is about to you know, take the top off the league. And, you know, we've really kind of scratched the surface on what he can do. And, you know, like you said, like you mentioned, as long as the protection's there, you, it's not like a Tampa Bay related thing. It's almost kind of like, who aren't they going to be able to go and kind of just go blow for blow with? And like, you know, with Dak playing the way he did last year pre-injury and you just look at the development of, I mean, you think about it, like you mentioned, you touched on it before rookies didn't have, you know, a preseason game last year and they're coming off COVID restrictions this year, CD lamb and all them kind of just getting, being able to, you know, play in preseason games, get their feet under them a little bit before they play. And, you know, having, you know, possibly the Zach Martin more likely than not, not playing. It's like, can they hold up with that, you know, front seven of Tampa Bay? But as far as, you know, putting Ezekiel out there back with the three wide, wide receivers, it's, you know, them in Tampa Bay is the two best units in the league, in my opinion. You know, and that's one thing. I mean, people talk about it, but I don't feel like they don't talk about it enough is Zeke's effectiveness, effectiveness as a receiver on this offense. I mean, he, he's a really underrated receiver, and he he knows how he, how to run screens. You know, he's got excellent vision when it comes to stuff like that. I'll never forget – I can't remember what year it was, but his big touchdown run against the, the Steelers off the screen pass. I mean, that was just, you know, something awesome to watch. But either way um, – the guy I'm going to be watching in terms of the secondary versus the Cowboys receivers has got to be Sean Murphy Bunning because he plays outside in the Bucks base defense and he plays inside on nickel packages or, you know, their sub packages. It'd be nickel, dime, whatever. Um, so he's going to be going up against like all three guys at some point, right. I would assume. He, he's obviously going to be going up against CD. That's the slot receiver for the Cowboys. But then Amari – Pro football focus had him uh, running two, 270 slots or snaps out of the slot, if I can say it right, last year. <laughs> and then, obviously, Michael Gallup is the outside guy primarily. Um, so, even when the Bucks are in base, there's a chance SMB is going to be lined up against him. And it's going to be interesting to see how SMB handles all that because that's three totally different types of receivers, you know what I mean? And it's and it, you're right. You kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, it, you look at C.D. Lamb. He's been the slot guy last year. And you look at Michael Gallup, and he was the deep ball guy. But the way that everything in camp has been going, they're trying to give Gallup more slot, you know, nice. opportunities. You know, nice. they're trying to give C.D. Lamb out wide. So there's just, you know, you know, we're gonna see just as much as you're gonna see how they're gonna deploy these guys and what different ways can they use. So I think everybody's kind of like, okay, what's gonna happen here? Let's go. Nice, man. The the early portions of the season, man, just it it's so nice to have it back, right? <laughs> you just we oh don't God. know for sure ever, forever. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, you mentioned Zach Martin earlier. He's likely out. There is a chance he can play, but most likely he's he's probably out. 
but Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins return. But really, I want to know, Connor McGovern, obviously he's been with the Cowboys since 2019. How do you think, if he does play, how do you think he's going to fare against the likes of Vita Vea and Dominic and Sue, Will Golson? And then how capable is he when it comes to picking up stunts, linebacker pressure, et cetera, because Todd Bowles loves to bring blitzes from all different directions. And what, Connor started at eight games last year or something like that? Yeah, he ended up playing a lot more than I think they initially anticipated, right? So right. <laughs> as, far, as far as Connor McGovern goes, I mean, you got to look at it, just pure, pure numbers looking at it. There's going to be a drop-off, right, between Zach Maher and all-pro top-tier guard in the NFL. If he, if he doesn't play, you're automatically going to look at that right guard spot just be at least a, a tick worse, you know, just right off the bat. Just And, you know, but the way Connor McGovern is viewed on this team, and I think the way Connor McGovern is viewed around the league, is that he is a uh, star, starter-level type guard. You know what I mean? You, how good? Who knows? Like you said, he's really kind of only scratched the surface a little bit, but um, you know, the team had interest about, you know, other teams gauging is Connor McGovern, you know, is he available? What, what, what does that look like? And then you say uh, the, the, the value of reserve offensive linemen in this league. And it's and it's really hard to come up about a good backup offensive lineman. So um, I anticipate there being some lumps. Right. I mean, he hasn't worked exclusively with this offensive line. You know, really, the whole offensive line as a whole. You know, I heard shout out to Dave Hellman and DallasCowboys.com. He put up a stat the other day saying the starting five for the Cowboys offensive line haven't played together since 2019 Thanksgiving Day. So wow. think that's I mean, it's crazy, yeah, crazy. to think about. You know, so they haven't seen their starting five in over a year and a half now. And it's it's crazy to think. I mean, Connor McGovern, we're about to find out where he's at. Right. I think your guess is as good as mine. I think he I think he can play. I think he has some skill and he's coming into his own in his third year and people are taking notice. But he's not Zach Martin right now. And who knows if he'll ever get that way. So Todd Bowles, I think he's licking his chops to try to figure out what he's got there. So. Well, hey, a silver lining, and Bucks fans know all about this, is, you know, Alex Kappa broke his ankle against uh, the Washington football team in the wild card, and then Aaron Sinney stepped right in and, I mean, just dominated throughout the next yeah. three weeks. So, hey, I mean, it can be done, especially it if happens, you got right? some time. Right, it happens all the time. So, real <laughs> quick before we slide over to the defense, uh, how underrated is the return of Blake Jarwin? It's, you know, Blake Jarwin, if you ask everybody in the camp, everybody, you know, that watched last year's training camp, you know, people are expecting big things from Blake. He, he got paid, you know, it looked like, you know, at the time it was kind of like, why are you paying, you know, Blake Jarwin, the type of money, the production really, it doesn't match the price tag. And then you look at it and say, Dak loves him. I mean, down the seam, he just, he shreds linebackers, he shreds safeties. He just finds a way to get open in the middle of the field. And, you know, it was really, it was really tough to see, you know, with all the anticipation of what he could have done last year um, to see him go down in the first game. And kind of like you just touched on it there. I mean, silver lining, uh, you know, Dalton Schultz ended up being like a, like, wait a minute, we might have something here. Now we got two tight ends that like put in there, no worries, no big deal. Like we're going to get some production from these guys. But I, I think you said it, you know, Blake Jarwin is having him back and healthy and confident on that knee is going to be valuable because Dak likes him more than anything. And, you know, these wide receivers are going to get a lot of attention, but, you know, Blake Jarwin's going to be able to maybe slip through some cracks in the middle of that field. Yeah, I mean, and to bring it back to the Bucks, not just to keep comparing everything too, but you know, it's obviously this is a preview, <laughs> preview show. So game week, wanna, yeah, dude. Oh my God, man, it's just it feels so nice, doesn't it? Absolutely. It will, and the 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 badass part is 
like Tennessee has kind of a cold front coming in. It's not badass because it's from Ida, but that's what brought it on. And right now it's like 80 degrees. I mean, it's just beautiful. It's almost like it's close to fall every morning. But, uh, but either way, um, Jarwin reminds me of those two years, 2018, 2019, where he caught like 58 passes and six touchdowns. He reminds me of Cameron Brate right before the Bucks paid Cameron Brate. So, I mean, there's another like another parallel. And Cameron Brate has been on the team for seven or eight years now and is, is one of the key players, um, even though he might be a depth player. So I, I like Jarwin's game and I'm really excited to see what he can do this year, especially, you know, obviously if, if he stays healthy. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, swapping over to the defensive side of the ball, all eyes are on Prescott and the offense. I mean, but in, with good reason. But in my humble opinion, it's the defense that determines how much success this team has in 2021. What do you expect to see from Dan Quinn and company on Thursday night? I mean, to put it bluntly, Last year was so bad. It's almost kind of like you have to anticipate it to be somewhat better, right? Reminds, I mean, me, of the tit- was... reminds me of the Titans defense a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it's crazy to think like, okay, the flow is so low that they have to show, you know, they have to show some improvement just by the sake of like, just something. I mean, I mean, getting to it more in depth, the addition of Michael Parsons and how they're going to kind of, you know, um, the way they're going to use him and the way Dan Quinn is scheming up things like, you know, everything you're hearing out of camp is that they're playing faster and they're playing with more confidence and Dan Quinn simplifying it. Right. So you would think last year they were running around thinking too much. They were a, tick, a step late on everything. And, you know, a step late in the NFL, you're gone. You know what I mean? So it's, it's for Dan Quinn. A lot of people have said here that Dan Quinn was the biggest addition of, of the off season. If, if Dan Quinn can turn that defense around and I'm on record to say, we just need the defense to be 18 to 20th in the league. And, and like, I think we can compete with anybody in the NFL. It's so, it's so funny hearing that because it reminds me so much of the bucks in 2018. Uh, that was the first year I started covering them. And it's just, it, it, it sucks to watch such a good offense, just get absolutely held back by a defense that just can't do anything. Right. And right. Yeah, you can just get it to be middle of the road. You know, not even 16th, like you said, 18th, 19th, then right. there will be enough opportunities for a lot of wins. And it's just <laughs> drives you crazy, man. But it is. It's, it's, it's crazy. So before we've got a couple more questions, but one of these is a personal question. So take I'm going to be selfish. Take as short <laughs> as you want on it. Take as long as you know, whatever. But, man, I loved Keanu Neal, obviously his first year in Atlanta. Well, I didn't love him so much at Florida, but because I'm a Vols fan. But either way, he's, his game still had to be respected. Um, loved him his first couple of years in Atlanta. Obviously, injuries have really taken a toll on him. But I did not know until like a week and a half ago that he transitioned to linebacker in, in hmm. this in this scheme. Like, what have you seen out of it so far in the preseason? What does it look like? Like, is it like a Dion Buchanan type deal? I mean, it just like what are your takeaways from the whole the whole uh, situation? You know, believe it or not, <laughs> and I know you just said you found out like about a week and a half ago, Keanu Neal has been a, a massive positive surprise in camp. Nice. Like he's come in and he's played linebacker um, to the point where, you know, even one of the preseason games, it was Micah Parsons and Keanu Neal getting the start. And, you know, it's based on packages and everything right. like that. But right. it kind of was eye opening. You know, you look at no Leighton Van Der Esch, no Jalen Smith. And it's like, OK, we got the rookie and the and the the guy who's going from safety to linebacker starting <laughs> here. And even I think, you know, I have to check my math on this, but I'm pretty sure that pro football focus rated him as like the number one defensive player for the Cowboys in this preseason. I mean, he is 
he's he's flying around the ball he's got the instincts of that safety you know like he's around the football a ton and he's and he's a thumper man he hits the he hits people and they and they stop and he's been a pleasant surprise and we kind of knew like Dan Quinn was going to bring in a couple of his guys and kind of people that can kind of um you know communicate the defense but more so than that Keanu Neal is going to have a huge role in this defense and I think as he um if he if he has a positive impact on this defense this defense is going to be better because of it he sounds like that perfect like hybrid nickel dime linebacker you know like uh oh my god I'm drawing a blank but the uh, Isaiah Simmons out in Arizona that type of deal Mm -hmm. and obviously he had success with Dan Quinn being who Dan Quinn drafted him. So I'm totally rooting for him, man. Even even on Thursday night, I'll be like, hey, man, because he, he deserves it. I, I still remember the season opener a couple years ago where he tore his Achilles and just it was mm. a terrible sight to see, man. So anytime you see Absolutely. a player go through that type of stuff, you know, you always want that that uh, revitalization or that resurrection, for, for lack of better words. For sure, for sure. All right, man, before we close out, um, obviously give a score prediction after this. But uh, which players should the Bucks watch out for the most on Thursday night, offense or defense or both? Man, if you've paid any attention to training camp, the, the star of the show has been C.D. Lamb. Yeah. So if it, the, the idea is I think we're all excited, at least on our end, you know, what is C.D. Lamb going to do? And I think it would be wise to, to keep an eye on him because – um, no disrespect to Amari Cooper, but he's been looked at as like wide receiver 1A and 1B. And it, and it, he's gaining ground on Amari Cooper as the number one wide receiver here. And, you know, it's tough to it's tough to name like, OK, who's somebody to look up for on defense? Because we don't know. You know what I mean? Like you said, we're going to figure out what this defense looks like. And, you know, we got to go against Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. So, like, maybe we wouldn't we're going to be looking at the defense for all the wrong reasons come, uh, you know, come Thursday. But um, if, if the Tampa Bay would be wise to pay attention to C.D. Lamb and, and see where he goes. And um, that's the exciting part about it. We're all going to figure out together Thursday night. Oh, yeah, man. So what's your final score prediction? I put I put this up and I said Cowboys 27, Buccaneers 24. Whoa. I feel like the defense. Yeah, you know, it's, it's I like it. You know, like it. I'm on a I'm on a, I'm on an island here. You know, I'm on a, I'm on an <laughs> island and I'm okay with that. I think the defense is gonna find a way to bend but don't break. You know, it's Tom Brady. So there's always respect there. Um, and I just think that Dak Prescott comes out a little slow, but I think he finds his rhythm in the second half just to keep this game close enough to find a way to, you know, get Greg Zerline to kick a field goal to win a game at the end. And that's kind of most of how Cowboys games go. It's they're never easy. They're never pretty. And they're always close. I love it, man. I love it. So here's one underrated storyline that I've been kind of talking about here lately is Dan Quinn and Bruce Arians know each other. They've gone each other against each other four times in the last two years. He knows the offense. Bruce knows the defense. So there's going to be a lot of back and forth, I feel like. I do think the Cowboys are going to keep up with the Bucs, but I do think in the fourth quarter, that's another underrated thing about this Bucs team that unless – you know, you really, really follow the team or covered them. Not a lot of people realized last year, but they were really good at closing out games on offense and defense in the fourth quarter last year, even before they won their last eight games, so on and so forth. But I got Tampa Bay eventually pulling on, pulling away, covering and winning 31-20. So that's, that's okay. it. But hey, man, I love, I love a good quagmire and I love to watch the world burn. I am the man <laughs> that, uh, that Michael Caine refers to in the dark night. So, hey, if the Cowboys <laughs> end up winning – I got plenty to write about. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like you said, if they win, we got plenty to write about over here. We might have to talk people down a little bit. So maybe a win <laughs> it will be scary over here too. So. 
Hell yeah, man. Well, go ahead. I know I plugged you uh, your stuff earlier, but go ahead and plug uh, your stuff and let everybody know where they can find you. Sure. You know, I'm writing um, consistently over at blogontheboys.com. You can catch me on Twitter at Tony underscore Catalina. And, you know, tell me what you think. If, if I'm crazy, if I'm nuts for picking the Cowboys, just let me know. I'm okay with that. Awesome, man. Well, again, I appreciate you coming on and have a good one. You too, man. Appreciate it. We are coming in on the back end of episode eight of the Believe in Bucks podcast. So that means it's time to talk some fantasy football, primarily the Bucks 2021 outlook, as well as previewing this week's matchup with the Dallas Cowboys. So that means I had to get on with me, Sky Guasco, host of Believe Podcast, the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. He's also the production manager for the Ryan D. Leaf Show. You can find Sky on Twitter at Sky Guasco, and that is spelled G-U-A-S-C-O. Don't forget to capitalize the S and the G. You can find the TCK pod, which is the Candlestick Kids podcast, uh, on Twitter by using the hashtag TCK underscore pod. You can find the Ryan D. Leaf Show on Twitter at the RDL Show. And then also, don't forget to check out his YouTube channel, which is the Fantasy Focused Network. They are available to give you fantasy advice leading all the way up to kickoff every Sunday. Sky, I feel like I just like gave you the Daenerys Targaryen of intros. You got all these labels, man. Just so much success. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing tonight? Evan, I'm doing so well. I appreciate the inter- the, the intro, man. I'm fired up. I like that. Thank you. And, and big up to uh, the shout out to Ryan Leaf as well um, in the RDL show, man. It's been a lot of fun this offseason. And look, like I'm a football nerd. I do this year round. But on Ryan's show, we do all sports. So we were covering like NBA finals, the Olympics, baseball season. So I've been covering it all. But look, man, you and I are here for one reason. It's NFL kickoff week and I'm ready to go. Hell yeah, 100%. And as I promised earlier in the introduction, you weren't a part of this, obviously, is when I was just talking to myself in an empty room to my imaginary audience. Uh, This is the fantasy section of the show, something I'm incorporating, something I'm starting as I do these game previews each and every week. So, Sky, that's what you specialize in. And there is so much hype surrounding the Bucks this year going into 2021, and obviously with good reason. I mean, they're the only team since the salary cap began in 1993 that have returned all 22 starters, plus several key depth pieces. So there's just all kinds of stuff to talk about when it comes to this team. However, like I said, we're narrowing it down to fantasy. So let's just go ahead and get to it, man. Fantasy-wise, what's your overall look on the Bucks offense this year. I mean, we know they're going to score points. They're going to get yards. But how hard is it to actually determine who gets the bulk of, let's say, the targets, the carries? You know, who? how hard is it to actually, aside from Tom Brady, how hard is it to actually say who's going to stand out on this offense this year? Well, unfortunately, Evan, it's really hard. And you look at a team with, like, such depth, right? You talk about three running backs – who could be a number one or number two at worst on any NFL team in the NFL. Then you have three wide receivers, at least I'm a big Tyler Johnson guy, but he goes no love yet because he's buried, but you have Tyler Johnson in there as well. Um, 
these three wide receivers are perennial as well and could be number ones on any team as well. And you got three of them and you say, you know, aside from Tom Brady, but to be honest with you in fantasy football, I would rather have Tom Brady than playing the roulette of picking who's going to have the most points at running back and who's going to have the most points at wide receiver, not to mention Gronk and OJ Howard and Cameron Brate is in the mix as well. So you have so many names there. I would rather just have the distributor of the football. That's Tom Brady. And his last couple of seasons at New England were not Tom Brady for fantasy, but we saw last year the mans can throw deep, very accurate deep, obviously gets Antonio Brown halfway through the season, blows up. Chris Godwin comes back healthy. He was battling injuries. Mike Evans was incredible, and it took them about a month to get chemistry as well. Gronkowski, of course, legendary. And then you have Gio Bernard that comes in to be, quote-unquote, James White for Brady now. So in fantasy football, to be honest with you, I would love to have a, you know a variety of these players overall. But if I had to pick one guy, it's Brady for a number of reasons. Quarterback position, he has a great floor of about 20 points per week, and he has a huge ceiling, 35-40. He doesn't run the ball, which we know in fantasy football is that cheat code, but he doesn't have to. Him and Aaron Rodgers, even Justin Herbert, now Matt Stafford, they don't have to run the ball because they're so accurate throwing it. And then, of course, he distributes everywhere. They like to throw in the red zone. Brady's going to get it done. He's going to be my one guy that I can draft on this team and let everybody else kind of cherry pick the Godwins and the Evans and the running backs and everybody else. But I'll take value on Brady. And then I'm actually looking at A.B. as well because he's the last of all these guys coming off the board. And then way deep, I'm looking at Gio Bernard out of the running back core as well. I love how you bring up Brady first off because – that I took him in the seventh round of the main league. Like, you know, we're in two, everybody's usually in two or three different fantasy leagues. And that's how it is with me at least. But there's one league where, you know, I care about it the most, you know, more yeah. than all the others. And in that league, uh, I got him in the seventh round. I feel like it's, that's excellent value for him. And honestly, I was surprised he lasted that long. I figured he would go in the fourth or fifth because, yes, the offense did struggle in two out of three preseason games, but Brady did not play at all in one of those preseason games. And then whenever he played three drives against the Texans, I mean, he absolutely chewed them up. I'm also glad you mentioned Gio Bernard. Real quick, how much of a pain in the ass is he going to be for Leonard Jones or Leonard Fournette slash Ronald Jones owners? Uh, he's going to be an incredible pain in the ass. But again, for fantasy, I'd like to have Gio right now going in the 12th round. You know, he's going to be your running back six, your running back seven. Leonard Fournette going in the 10th. Ronald Jones going in the eighth. I think Ronald Jones is the most talented at this point of their careers. I don't think that's a question just pound for pound, but he's had trouble catching the ball. And then Leonard Fournette kind of became playoff Lenny and catching the ball last year. But now you bring Gio Bernard in who's done very well in Cincinnati for years, backing up Joe Mixon. And when he gets his route, he's got 24 plus fantasy points in PPR leagues. He has a ceiling as well. And we know, look, dating just a couple of years ago, James White, who's, strictly a pass catcher for the most part for the Patriots for years had a wider or running back seven season under Brady. So he finally has that guy again. He wanted it to be Rojo. It wasn't. Then it became Fournette out of necessity, but that's not really his game either. Each one of these guys has a distinct role in my opinion on the bucks and therefore in fantasy football. I like Gio Bernard because it's the best value and I think the most upside in the long run, but yes, he's going to be very frustrating for Rojo and Fournette managers and for that reason evan i'm passing on both of those guys i don't want the headache i'll take Gio bernard knowing that 
He's not going to have huge weeks, but he's going to give me a nice floor to buoy my roster if my big guys don't go off. And he will catch five, six touchdowns this year and have four or five catches a game. And a reception is one and a half times more valuable than a carry in fantasy football. I'm going to take that with Joe Bernard all day long. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely going to be the third down back. He's going to be in there in obvious passing downs. So even let's say Brady gets sacked on first down for five yards, that's second and 15. Most likely, Gio Bernard's coming in on, on the next play. I mean, why in the hell would you hand it off in that situation? So, and right. I mean, a lot of people would say, well, you're just pigeonholing the offense by putting him in an obvious pass situation. Uh, no, you're not. You're actually elevating the offense because you definitely can't rely on Jones or Fournette to catch the ball back there. Um, the one thing, though, I, that I do worry, or not necessarily worry, but I do wonder about, Tampa Bay uh, had was 26 in total third down attempts. So they had, I think, you know, counting number 32. I think they had the seventh fewest third down attempts. So that is one thing that – and you got to also think about how many of those were third and goals or, you know, how many of them were third and short, so on and so forth. But you got to think that maybe, you know, the Rojo, the Fournette takers, obviously most drafts are done by now. That's what they're using to help themselves sleep at night. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But, again, I mean, this offense is going to be incredibly proficient with all the weapons everywhere and Tom Brady – Again, man, Tom Brady, there's just there's nothing you and I can talk about Brady that nobody already knows. But one thing I think that goes overlooked over his career, but especially at this point of his career, is he takes care of the football. And when you take care of the football, you have more opportunity to score. Right. Right. And even if it's not third downs, you know, I mean, here's the deal, man. You know better than I do, right? With the Bucks insider. Like I just look kind of a general fan, you know, bird's eye view, but Ronald Jones fumbles a football, seems to be benched for a quarter or a half out of, from Arians, right? Yep. Leonard Fournette m- misses a pass blocking. He's going to be benched, right? Gio Bernard, seasoned veteran. And this goes, this isn't a fantasy take, but this is a gut thing. And this is just something I've learned over 20 plus years of watching football intently. The Tom Brady effect is something we've never seen ever, right? Like LeBron James in basketball has handpicked his teams for the last couple of years and won a couple of championships and done his thing, but he's done it in multiple cities with multiple guys, right? If Michael Jordan ever tried to do this during his era and they made super teams, there wouldn't be anybody else in the league. Tom Brady has that pull and he was able to do it. And he set the tone now for all the other quarterbacks who also want that. He brought in a B he brought in defensive linemen. He brought in offensive linemen. He brought in special teams guys. He brought in Gio Bernard because he knows that at a Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, that particular position and ability in that offense that he wants and needs for the dump offs wasn't there last year. These guys are professional athletes. They can catch a pass, but they're not going to do it as fluidly in the open space, make a guy miss as Gio Bernard. Not only that, but when you're in the third downs, you also need to be able to pick up uh, a blitz package because you know the defense is coming at you and you trust Gio Bernard. So to, to me, it's going to be Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, Gio Bernard. But Gio Bernard, in my opinion, is the best value in fantasy football, no question about it. And both of these other guys make me a little bit nervous because they're both on short leashes, in my opinion. Gio is just, you know, yeah, he might have fewer opportunities, but he's going to make the most of those opportunities. And therefore, I I think I would just take the chance on Gio if I were to pick one of these three backs. Dude, I mean, you hit so much right on the head with that entire uh, declaration that you just gave right there. Because honestly, 
Bruce Arians always says he rides the hot hand when it comes to running back, but there have been so many different scenarios over his first two years in Tampa Bay where that has just not been the case. It's been murky at best when it comes to him, quote unquote, riding the hot hand. Case in point, Ronald Jones, when Leonard Fournette played literally 1% of snaps through three games, Ronald Jones just so happened to lead the league in rushing that year or that the, over those three weeks, sorry, and in 2020. And guess what happened the very next week? Him and Fournette were back, uh, basically splitting snaps and all that good stuff. And Bernard, and to run counterpoint to what I was talking about earlier as well when it comes to the goal line and stuff, who knows, second and goal from the eight, you know, Bernard is still an effective runner at the end of the day. So if he's back there, you have a decent chance of a run, but you have also a better chance of a pass, whereas if Jones and Fournette are in there, then most likely it's going to be a run. You know, or you can take advantage of their lackluster pass protection, like you were just pointing out. With Geo back there, you just have an all-around different option. For me, I would not be surprised if it's Ronald Jones, Geo, Fournette. You know, okay. by week yeah. by week eight or nine. Um, but that's just you know, just just talking about how much overall the original question of you know how much is he going to affect this offense, man. It's going to be well, exciting to see. I think he's going to have a big role at the end of the day. I, I'm with you 100. percent I do too. And and it's interesting because, you know, we'll never know the age old questions of this era, right? Is going to be how much of anything was Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, you know, Josh McDaniels, right? Patriot system, yada, yada. Well, obviously he moves and gets a championship. So that one's chopped off. But then you start thinking like the stable of running backs, the Patriots running backs have always been frustrating for fantasy too, because there's four of them. And every once in a while, you get a Garrett Blunt who has 17 touchdowns. You get James White who catches over 100 passes, right? But usually you have like four or five guys doing the same things. This is what Brady wants. And our, obviously what Brady wants at this point, he gets. And people, I think, don't think of Gio Bernard as a running back, like rushing the ball. Right. Last year, he had 124 attempts. That was the most since 2015. Of course, most of that because Joe Mixon went down. Right. Nonetheless, he shouldered the load. And he also had the most receptions with 47 since 2015 as well. And the third most career touchdowns was six, the most since 2014. So Gio, in 2013, 14, and 15, he was the primary back for the Bengals, right? They had like the Jeremy Hill experiment for a minute, but he was doing well, shouldering 150 you know, carries, you know, 200 plus touches over the season. And he was a top 15 running back in fantasy football. He's been a backup since then because of Joe Mixon. But if he gets a featured role or one of these guys slips one way or another, he can shoulder work. He's only 29. The actual, I've done age analysis on running backs in fantasy football, like that running back cliff, everybody generically calls it 30. The numbers actually tell us it's 31 and he's 29. He got activated off the COVID list. He looks good to go. I'm, it's kind of funny to be like so hyped on Gio Bernard, but like having a Buccaneers conversation is kind of getting the blood flowing because he just makes the most sense in fantasy draft capital. I think he has the most upside, maybe not the best pure runner, but might have the most opportunity for fantasy points because of the pass catching ability. And look, if Gio's out there, Brady's not throwing it to Ronald Jones and Fournette. He just won't. He's going to throw the ball to Gio Bernard and that's going to keep him on the field more often. I wanted to go to your point as well about him not, uh, 
being the primary back since Joe Mixon's been in the picture, that's also helped add tread on the tires. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot to like there, um, especially if you can get them in this 12, 13, 14, 15, you know, whatever, late, late round. Uh, you just never know how that's going to turn out. So we've basically with that conversation, we've already talked about production draft position when it comes to Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette. So let's go to the Bucks receivers real quick and then the tight ends just a second before we flip over to the defense. But in terms of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, what's the pecking order? How do you think those guys finish this year? And then does O.J. Howard, let's say injury aside from Gronk, does O.J. Howard have anywhere even close a chance, in your opinion, to be a relevant fantasy player this year? Yes, absolutely. I'll start with the wide receivers. So in PPR, points per reception leagues, full PPR, and then there's half, of course, but full PPR leagues, I just got to run it out. Godwin, A.B., Evans, as far as the finish. That's how I have it down right now. Assuming health. We always have to assume health. So Godwin's A.B., Evans. Non-PPR. So if you don't get that point per reception, I'm going to go Evans, right? I mean, seven years to start his career, over 1,000 yards. Touchdown weekly, upside, huge plays. Got to go Evans there. I'm going to put A.B. in the middle again and then put Godwin in the third but this is not like a clear one, two, three. This is like a smashed, <laughs> condensed like ball of like one, two, three. I mean, any of these guys could finish number one. Any of them could finish number three. Any of them could finish in targets, yards, or receptions. I truly believe that. I have Godwin more so as a PPR guy because he plays the traditional slot receiver role for Bruce Arians, right? He was number two just two years ago with James Winston in that role behind Mike uh, Thomas, who exploded in 2019 and Larry Fitzgerald of course was iconic there for years before Godwin and Arians system Antonio Brown is still Antonio Brown looks quote-unquote the fastest he's looked in years looks great in camp and then Evans too many games last year with Evans with two catches for two yards and two touchdowns those are cool because he caught touchdowns if he doesn't catch touchdowns though that sinks your team that's a third fourth round wide receiver sinks your team I don't like the inconsistency of Evans so in PPR, I'm going to fade it that way. On the other side, I'll take Evans because of the touchdown upside. And then O.J. Howard, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Gronk, to his credit, somehow pulled off a full season last year. That year off, I think, was tremendous on his body. You've heard other athletes that have taken a year off for whatever reason come back. Like, you know, Marshawn Lynch a couple of years ago came out of retirement and said, I felt the best I felt since high school taking that year off because my body could actually just breathe for a minute. Gronk did the same thing. We know that Gronk and Brady obviously have a, you know, a BFF kinship. So he's going to get the work in the red zone because he's dominant. Brady trusts him. They're synced mentally. But inside the 20s, which is where, you know, PPR fantasy points happen, O.J. Howard was extremely efficient and, of course, outpacing Rob Gronkowski before he went down last year. And he was on the ascend with Jameis Winston in 2019 in this offense also. So, He was a huge breakout candidate last year in fantasy circles at tight end, but then he got hurt. So it's, can he come back, get healthy? And then of all of these weapons, we're talking three running backs, three wide receivers, at least, and Gronkowski, OJ Howard's like the ninth look on the offense, but if he can stay healthy, I 100% think that he's uh, has an opportunity to showcase. And I'll tell you this right now, and you've heard a dynasty league, keep him on your bench. If Gronk goes down, hopefully he doesn't. If he does, Howard is going to be that guy as much as Brady loves the pass catching running back loves a tight end as well. 
both of them are going to be tough. But if Gronk goes down for any reason, OJ Howard could absolutely be that guy. I love how you described or contextualized the receivers because that's exactly how I have them. I have, and I tweeted this out recently, I have draft Mike Evans for the ceiling, Chris Godwin for the consistency, and A.B. for the value. I mean, yeah, that that's the exact way to look at it because Evans – arguably the best red zone threat in the NFL right now. I mean, don't get me wrong. George Kittle's great, but he's not catching 13 touchdowns in a, in a single six, season. five. I mean, what are you going right. to do? Exactly. Exactly. Two thirty-five. you know, it's just crazy. The, the stuff that that can guy can do. Um, but first off and foremost, I want to thank you for saying Chris Godwin plays the slot. And I'm sure all of my listeners <laughs> are saying this as well, because there are so many people who think Antonio Brown or Scotty Miller, just because they're quicker, shiftier, no, they play the no. slot. And that's not the case with this offense. Chris Godwin is a slot just like Larry Fitzgerald was. And he's what they call the big slot because yeah. of his run blocking. And that's one reason why Larry was so effective. But anyway, moving to the tight ends. Uh, yeah, dude, Gronk's health almost makes – OJ or lack of health, rather, I should say, over the last few years outside mm-hmm. of last year, um, that almost makes OJ a must add. And then when you consider that the Bucks are only carrying three tight ends on this roster and Cameron Brait not only has been dinged up over the last few years, but started training camp on the PUP this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the dude can stay healthy, which has obviously been his issue, you know, his entire career, and I hate to say it's an issue because it's just bad luck more than anything. Um, but, you know, if he can stay healthy, there, there's a great shot. He has a, a big role this year. Absolutely. And, and you know, just looking back on Gronkowski, like, unfortunately, take production totally out of it. Um, he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. Right. I mean, he's missed half of seasons over the last couple of years, missed a couple over the last two, three seasons. He finally stayed healthy this year, which is great. And opportunity is king in fantasy football. Volume is king in fantasy football. Right. So if you're on the field, you have more opportunity to produce value and uh, statistics and therefore fantasy points. Unfortunately for OJ Howard, he's also been beat up 14 games in 17, 10 in 18, 14 and 19. That was his breakout. It was like, okay, he's on his way after a you know tight end 10 finish in 2018 and then last year only played four games right and he goes down so he's got to stay healthy obviously um but a Cameron Braid I think is just he had a couple nice weeks with Jameis Winston but he's more of a, a blocking tight end um but I've said this for years on my podcast what makes Rob Gronkowski and George Kittle and Travis Kelsey not only the best fantasy football tight ends but iconic hall of fame tight ends is the fact that they're on the field every single play because they are elite blockers. Nobody thinks of tight ends as blocking because in fantasy, we don't want them to block. We want them to run routes, but if you're not a blocking tight end and you can't block, you're going to be specialized and that's less opportunity. If you're a guy that can block and be out on the field, Brady check, you know, they're in a run or something. So Gronk's going to block, Brady sees a different look, immediately checks out of it. Boom. Now it becomes a pass play. Gronk's on the field for that. And it can be a point, you know, a catch and a touchdown there. So the opportunity is, is massive for guys that can stay on the field. And I mentioned that because you mentioned the big slot with Chris Godwin, Larry Fitzgerald, Larry Fitzgerald has done everything in his career the right way. But I think like Heinz Ward back in the day and some of these OGs, he was able to get dirty and throw a block. And that is just, that's just what guys like Bruce Arians, old school coaches want to see. Chris Godwin is willing to do that. And AB gets in the mix too, but he's much smaller than both of these guys. 
as well and obviously much older as well. So it's going to be fun, man. But again, all of these guys have so many question marks. Why not just get the guy giving him the ball, which is is Tom Brady? Exactly, especially with how good the offensive line has the potential to be this year. And back to your point about blocking as a tight end, hopefully, Bucks fans, there's this guy named Tanner Hudson. I'm sure you've heard of him because I know fantasy, you've got to study all rosters everywhere. But he is the epitome of a receiving tight end, Bruce Arians, did not let him make the final cut this year because simply he can't block. He actually regressed in his blocking this year. And lo and behold, now he's on the 49ers uh, practice squad, hoping that he can find his way there. So, yeah, man, huge, huge um, attribute to have when it comes to being a tight end in the NFL. So let's swap over to the defensive side of the ball. I actually – okay, like before I get into this question, uh, full disclosure, I'm pretty high on the Bucks defense this year. I actually think – and this might – be crazy to hear but in terms of impact not in terms of just what they put up numbers whatever but in terms of impact I feel like they might be more impactful than the offense this year however a buddy of mine in my main league 12-man league uh, took the Bucks defense as the first defense in the eighth round. And this is standard scoring defense. You're not getting anything special for, you know, turnovers, you know, whatever. I mean, is that a good move? Do you think of as highly of the Bucks defense as he does? I mean, I mean, like where in terms of fantasy and just in terms of effectiveness, what's your overall take on just the defense as a whole this year? Yeah. So multi multi-layered question. What I take, the Buccaneers defense in the eighth round. No, would I, I take, <laughs> would I take any defense in the eighth round? No, no, no. <laughs> a, a, a standard league. And of course this totally depends on um, your, your makeup, right. uh, deep benches. I like to, when I set up a league, I generally do quarterback or super flex, whatever, two running back, two wide receivers, a tight end, two flex positions. And then I do seven bench. Right. Because I want that depth of guys that you can cherry pick and find and keep injuries, whatever, add some IR. Well, that that makes you all of a sudden that's like a 17 round draft. Right. If you think of something like that and taking a defense in the eighth round, (laughs) it's just it's just not going to happen. Now, if you go to more of a traditional league, you're talking maybe closer to 13, 14 rounds. Eighth round is still too expensive because what I'm thinking in just general fantasy, you know, formatting is I want three wide receivers, three running backs, a tight end and a quarterback before I think of the defense. And realistically, I want four or five running backs and wide receivers. Right. So I'm not looking at a defense until 12th round. And here's another thing too. Last year I did a study on DSTs because every single year we have the best defense from last year becomes the first defense rated, right? Which makes sense. The Steelers have led the league in sacks the last couple of seasons, right? So they're like incredible for fantasy football. Washington football team is descending. The Ravens are always very good. The Bucks are very good. Again, the Niners were great, got decimated last year, but they're back as well. You have these other teams, but the problem is not one time since 2011 has a defense not only repeated as number one, but become a top five defense the year after they were number one. 
You think of the Jaguars in 2017, phenomenal for fantasy football, decimated. They were like, I don't have it in front of me. They were DST like 23 the next year. The Bears did the same thing. And then you had the Rams who had an off year after the Super Bowl. The Patriots were incredible, then had an off year after the, uh, after the Super Bowl as well. The Eagles, right? The 49ers decimated by injury. So you can't guarantee just because they were incredible last year Whatever. And again, you know better than I do. The Buccaneers defense was not the Buccaneers defense until the second half and then the postseason. Everybody saw what they did. They made Patrick Mahomes look like a human being, and therefore everyone's excited about him, which they should be. They're incredible. And as they're healthy, that's awesome. Todd Bowles, congratulations to him. He's the highest paid defensive coordinator in the NFL because they're incredible. The problem is you got to play a whole season, and they still play in a firepower offense right? And a, a firepower division in the NFC with a lot of other great teams as well. And I think they're still going to be in shootouts, you know, and that's going to be troublesome. So would I take the Bucks in the eighth? Absolutely not. I wouldn't take a defense in the eighth. I probably wouldn't even look at a defense till about the 12th, but do I like the Buccaneers in general? Like if you get the Bucks in the 12th or 13th round of your draft, I'm wheels up. Absolutely. I like that a lot. I'm go through their schedule very quickly and I'll, I'll, I'll shut it down here. They get Dallas on Thursday night, as we know. That's a little bit tough, right? High-powered offense. Falcons, you never know what they're going to get. I think the Bucs take them there. At the Rams, we'll see what happens with Stafford. At New England with Mac Jones, love that. You get the Dolphins with Tua, don't trust him. Jalen Hurts, don't trust him. Bears with maybe Justin Fields, another rookie quarterback, don't trust him. Saints, Jameis Winston in a revenge game, if you will, don't like that either. The Buccaneers after Thursday night, Sands, maybe the Rams. The defense could be absolutely insane for fantasy football but it's not worth not taking the value on a late round tight end quarterback or wide receiver four or five that you're going to be using more often well and plus it's the nfl in 2021 offense rules the league <laughs> like like i mean and literally almost every rule is tailored to help the offense score more points and the 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 best part about that question is my buddy before the season started the fantasy football season that is he said he might retire so <laughs> I can kind of understand why he's thinking about retiring if he's making decisions like that these days <laughs> absolutely Ab absolutely man and again I just I always encourage people you know if you play in a league with the defense and you play in a league with the kicker not everybody does anymore if you do that and let's just say your league's fourteen rounds so just make it up fourteen rounds. I actually encourage people to draft a, a DST in what would be the 12th round and a kicker in the 13th round, and then your final shot in the dark deep sleeper in the 14th. The reason I say that is it's already late enough to get your defense, but people are so conditioned to draft a defense in the second to last round and a kicker in the very last round because it doesn't matter, quote unquote. Here's the thing. If you end up picking up a Washington football team because you believe in Chase Young last year, they become the best defense and you pick them ahead of everybody else on a whim. Right. You have a serious advantage. Young way Koo comes out of nowhere last year. Right. And he's the top fantasy kicker. You draft him, um, you know, around earlier than everybody else because you got a hunch. That's how I handle kicker and DST in my leagues. I draft them around ahead of everybody. But that's the 12th and 13th round, not the eighth. Yeah, real quick, my deep sleeper on defense, and then there's probably is probably still available on just about every waiver wire. But the Bengals, man, it will not surprise me. I'm not saying they're gonna be like a top five unit, but it will not surprise me if they're top 10, top 12 at the end of the day. I um, love the Colts too. Yeah, Colts, yeah. I mean, yeah, especially with DeForest Buckner up there in the middle. I mean, yeah, you've always got a shot there. All right, so let's get down to the bare bones. People want to know who to start in their in their lineup. So we'll we'll get to the NFL in just a quick second. 
Um, but in terms of this Thursday night matchup, Bucks Cowboys, which player on offense and defense, and let's say it's IDP, uh, which or you can just say defense in general. Um, but which player on offense and defense are you starting, and which one are you absolutely avoiding? All right. So on offense, again, I'm going to stick with AB. And and here's the full disclosure: Evan knows this, but to the listeners, I purposely am not choosing the the Zeke Elliott's, um, right? I mean, the, oh, yeah, somebody I should have led with that. My bad. It's okay. Some, <laughs> what, somebody what a host am I? Hey, what a host am I, right? <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> somebody you're definitely starting, I didn't even mention here. So I'm not going to mention a Zeke Elliott or, or somebody like that. Antonio Brown is the guy that I want to start. A couple of reasons. He's going to get the third cornerback for the Cowboys. I don't trust the first quarter cornerback for the Cowboys, right? A.B. is most likely going to get the third or the second outside. Either way, last year, these guys were absolutely demolished. I think there'll be a much better defense just with Micah Parsons coming in. But nonetheless, the first game against Brady and the Bucs is just going to be too overwhelming. And here's one thing you can count on. All of these Super Bowl teams over the last 20 years when Brady's been around when he hasn't won it, you get the Super Bowl hangover. They'll, like, come out flat on opening night. Brady's not that team. He's done it, been there, done that. I guarantee you he's got the full squad ready to go to come out wheels up against the uh, Cowboys. So Antonio Brown is that guy, cornerback number three. Brady wants him to succeed. He peppered him last year in the final game of the year so he could get his roster bonus, all right? (laughs) He wants him to do that. He's got touchdown upside. He's a possession-wide receiver. When they're looking at third and six, third and five, whatever, Evans, Godwin, quick look, AB is going to be open with a shiftiness every time, and it's prime time. Antonio Brown in primetime has always dominated back to his Steeler days. I'm going to take AB on defense and IDP. You got to get your hands on Indomitian Sue. Look, this guy comes out. He's been out for a little bit, clears protocol, whatever. He's back. Unfortunately for Cowboy fans, one of your best players, maybe your best player on your roster at, at all positions is somebody we don't talk about in fantasy football, but it's Zach Martin. He is the, the uh the stable of that offensive line he's going to be out tested positive for covid he's out and dominican sue is going to eat anybody in front of him and i really worry about that for zeke elliott i worry about that for dak as well but they could play out a shotgun and dak could at least distribute the ball zeke might have a tough time thursday night but on idp leagues or dst if you can get your hands on indomitian sue i like that a lot and then just quickly on the Cowboys side, I'm good with Dak because he can play out a shotgun. I'm going to try to fade Zeke if I can. But again, how do you fade Zeke Elliott, especially in Zeke in, in uh, week one? But CeeDee Lamb, man, CeeDee Lamb, I think, outpaces Amari Cooper this year straight up. And he is going to be that guy. Also, do not forget about Michael Gallup. He's buried on this roster, but he is every bit as talented as any other number three in the NFL. He'd be a number two or one on most other rosters in the NFL. Keep an eye on those guys in DFS leagues as well. So which players are you not playing on each team? I'm not, I don't want to play Zeke if I can get away from it. I know that's hard to do, but if I drafted, let's say Zeke in the first round, I'm going to make it up. And I got, um, let's say a CEH in the second. And in the third round, I was able to get maybe Chris Carson. If I can do it and the rest of my roster is solid enough, I would actually consider benching Zeke this particular week. I know it's insane. This could totally backfire on me, Evan, and I could get shunned for my first <laughs> podcast with you. But I just don't – I play the matchups. I play it every single week. I try to, like, go in there, you know, with, with a clear slate. And Dominican Sue is nasty. That defensive line is nasty. And the, the Cowboys were not right off the bat. Without Zach Martin in there, the middle of of that offensive line, I'm worried about it. I don't think Zeke gets enough pass-catching work with all the other weapons there. 
I'm going to fade him um, in this matchup. On the Bucks side, again, I mean, if I had to just not play somebody that people are going to play, I'm just not excited about Leonard Fournette. Gio Bernard, I've made a case for him for 15 minutes already. Ronald Jones, at least, I think is going to get the first and second down work. So they're going to give him a chance. Leonard Fournette, I think, is just caught in the wash and in the middle, and I just don't think he's a difference maker. So I would probably fade Fournette and Zeke if you can. Love it, man. All right, so before we get out of here, what's your final score prediction? Oh, man. it's I think it's going to be a shootout. Um, I, do, I think the Buccaneers win. I will give them – I'm going to go, you know, I think probably 34. I think it's a shootout. It's today's NFL. I was going to, you know, play it nice. But I think about 34, and honestly, I think the Cowboys put up a good first half, but then Brady runs out the clock in the second half. So I'm going to go 34-28, and I'll go with the Bucks. Nice. Well, hey, even if even if you are off about your previous advice, you just made up for it right there with the Bucks <laughs> prediction. You got you got to know your audience, you know, Evan. You got to know. Yeah, your yeah. and I mean, this might be a Bucks <laughs> audience. I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, I mean, you never know. But okay, so we've covered the Bucks and Cowboys. So real quick, uh, before we tag out and then let the people, let the audience go on with their lives, um, what's the number one quarterback, the number one receiver, the number one running back that you're starting? We'll just leave tight end out and defense just, you know, because we all know the quarterbacks, the receivers, and the running backs are the are the the lifeblood of fantasy football. Um, of each position across the NFL, excluding Dallas and Tampa Bay, who are you starting this week? And obviously not the obvious choices. Yeah, again, so I'm eliminating, like, RB ones and twos, wide receivers ones and twos, and top tight ends and quarterbacks. So these are not my number one guys, quote unquote, but these are the best guys after those elite groups based on the matchup. Jalen Hurts going up against the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons last year turned it around in the second half, but the first half was horrendous. I don't know what Falcons were going to get. Jalen Hurts comes in. He looks good. He finally got named the starter. They were playing some garbage with Joe Flacco or whatever. Jalen Hurts is the guy. He's got the rushing upside. He had 24 and a half fantasy points per game that he played last year that was tied for fourth among qualifying quarterbacks. And he has that rushing upside, 60 rushing yards in two games, 100 versus the Cardinals. He's got a huge upside. I like Jalen Hurts a lot. Running back, my man Raheem Mostert. And I know everybody's excited about Trey Sermon, and I am too. And eventually it will be Trey Sermon. But Raheem Mostert is healthy today. And if you're healthy today and you're going up against the Lions – I want that guy. You can call it backups. You can call it whatever you want for the defense of the Raiders when the when the Niners played their last preseason games. But spoiler alert, the Niners had scrubs and backups and four stringers in also on offense. And Jamichael Hasty, who nobody even knows, he's an undrafted free agent dominating because of that scheme. The Niners ran for over 240 yards against the Raiders in a preseason game. All right. This scheme is unbeatable, in my opinion, on a full game opportunity. We saw him go for four touchdowns against the Packers in the NFC Championship game just two years ago. Raheem Mostert, week one. I love him a lot going up against the Lions. And then T. Higgins as the wide receiver. I know everyone's excited about Jamar Chase, another rookie, but these drops are concerning, at least for today. I don't think long term he'll get over it. But today they make me a little concerned. Joe Burrow, no matter how much he loves Jamar Chase, He knows T. Higgins and what they did last year. T. Higgins was dominant last year. Over 100 targets as the third wide receiver option in a terrible offense when Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow went down. I like T. Higgins a lot. Also, don't sleep on my boy Tyler Boyd. And then, you know what? I will throw in a a tight end and a DST because they're people too. Logan Thomas, 
110 targets last year, six touchdowns. I like Logan Thomas still. Um, he's, again, not elite, but he could put up elite weeks. And it's all about that touchdown of volume. I like that a lot. And then DST, it's got to be the Broncos going up against the Giants, man. I don't trust Daniel Jones at all. Kenny Galladay is going to play, but he's not 100%. Saquon Barkley, I've been worried about all summer long. He's not 100%, even if he goes. They get Bradley Chubb back. They got a great young secondary. They're super deep at cornerbacks. They got fresh bodies out there. Von Miller, of course. The worst offensive line in the NFL per pro football focus is the New York Giants' bottom eight in passing and run blocking efficiencies. Makes me incredibly nervous. I like the Broncos as a streaming defense this week. Oh, man. Week one of the NFL season. Just, it's here, baby. It's, it's so nice, man. Let's it's go. like all the possibility, just all the wonderment, just everything. Like, oh, it's just so nice to just have this conversation right now. Likewise, man. It's It's been an absolute pleasure. And look, hey, I, I got to take an unbiased approach to fantasy football. But for your folks, it would be absolutely incredible if Brady could run it back. You guys can get that double up. You know, and, and go for for back to back championships. He's done it before. He knows what it takes. And as you mentioned uh, in the open here, first team since the merger to to get everybody back. They're li- literally running it back. Same coaching, same squad. Brady at the helm. There's no reason the Buccaneers shouldn't be everybody's favorite. I love the Chiefs just as everybody else does. There's no reason the Buccaneers shouldn't be everybody's preseason favorite right now. Their biggest opponent is health. All they got to do is avoid the injury bug, and they should be right back where they were last year in terms of at least getting to the Super Bowl. So it's going to be exciting to see how it all plays out. The Skyman, speaking of exciting, this was uh, an exciting conversation, exciting time. Uh, Thank you again for coming on. Uh, Real quick before we head out, uh, plug your stuff. Let everybody know where they can find you. You got it, Evan. Thanks again for the opportunity, man. I'm excited to talk football anytime. Fantasy football, of course. And if any of your listeners are fantasy nerds like myself, please come and check us out. We're also part of the Believe Network, so make sure you come and find us. The Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. I know it's a mouthful. We also go by TCK Pod. Hashtag TCK Pod. You can find us. You can find me on Twitter, Sky Guasco, S-K-Y-G-U-A-S. CO, if you're an Instagram person, I'm also over there, fantasy football underscore TCK pod. We're on TikTok as well for all the kids. And please make sure to check us out on YouTube at Fantasy Focused Network. Fantasy Focused Network. If you have a start sit question, Sunday mornings, three hours prior to kickoff. So for those of you on the East Coast, down there in the South and Florida, if you're on the East Coast, it's, it's going to be 10 to 1 p.m. before kickoff. On the West Coast with me, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. We got all your start sits. Find us on Fantasy Focused YouTube page stream. And, of course, again, make sure you find the podcast. Leave us a five-star rate and review. And, Evan, man, I hope to be back. This has been a blast. And best of luck to you and your bucks, man. And I'll, I'll leave you with this really quickly. True story. I got to leave this out here while we're talking Buccaneers football. I grew up in San Francisco. I'm a 49ers fan at heart. I live in Eugene, Oregon now. I'm a Justin Herbert, Marcus Mariota. I'm a duck homer. That's where I went to school. I lived down the street from Austin Stadium. But 2002, I was a huge Buccaneers fan back in the day. Warwick Dunn, Warren Sapp, John Lynch, Derek Brooks, Rondé Barber, Mike Allstott, all my guys, right? Booger McFarlane. They were playing the Raiders. I grew up as a Niner fan. So, of course, you have a rivalry against the Raiders. You're playing the Raiders in the Super Bowl. My English teacher or my history teacher, excuse me, was a diehard Raiders fan. I was wearing a Mike Allstott jersey constantly back then. 
and he bet me $20 back in the day that the Raiders would beat the Bucs. I took him up on it. Of course, seven interceptions, you know, or seven sacks, five interceptions, two to the house. The Bucs run them, as you know. The rest is history. I came back to class that next day. My teacher had a note on my desk, said, um, congratulations, you're welcome. And in my desk, taped to the top, was a $20 bill. We never <laughs> talked about it again. Probably somewhat illegal at this point, but this is back in the day. Anyway, he came up with the debt, but um, big-time Buccaneers fan back in the day. Man, I got five or six jerseys of guys behind me. So, um, And look, now I'm a Niner guy, and we got your boy John Lynch, Hall of Famer. So huge Bucks fan. I'm rooting for you guys, too. I stick with my Niners in the NFC, but if it's not the Niners, we'll rock with the Bucks. That's awesome, man. I don't think you have to worry about anybody coming after you. I mean, the NIL does exist these days. So that's true. That's awesome. made it. <laughs> right there. <laughs> name, image, name, image, and likeness, no matter right. how it's distributed, right? <laughs> well, y'all heard it there. Be sure to check out Sky and the rest of his crew, man. They do awesome, awesome work. And again, man, thank you so much for coming on. Absolute pleasure. Well, that will just about do it for episode eight of the Believe in Bucks podcast. Again, I'm your host, Evan Winter. Would love to thank my guests, uh, Tony Catalina of bloggingtheboys.com and Sky Guasco of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast for joining me and helping me take a look and give y'all some insight as well into this week's matchup between the Bucks and the Cowboys. Everyone, you know where to find me. You know where I'm at. Uh, We'll be talking Thursday after the game. So until then, everyone, please be happy, be healthy, be safe, and go Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.